Hello and welcome to the Pulp Diction Podcast. Uh, got a more free-flowing one today, joined by movie buff, auteur of fastandventurous.com and, and various movie reviews and podcasts, Kevin Fentress, regular guest what? of the show. Hello. Uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're basically going to be talking about sort of what I view as the rise in fantasy or sci-fi films, but one could also argue is just more a, a mainstream movement or just a continued kind of excellence of those those films and TV shows and stories, really. Um, and I'll lump space in there, too, because I think it all, it all kind of harkens back to the same ideas and elements. But, um, Kev, I guess a good place to start. When yep. I pitched this podcast to you, I argued that there has been a rise in the popularity or kind of like meaning of sci-fi fantasy what have you in uh right. in we'll go with american uh movie tv show culture yeah do you agree yeah i feel like there definitely has been an influx or i mean i don't know if there's more of it but i think it's more just that it's getting kind of the spotlight if that makes sense you know you we were talking earlier you brought up game of thrones and it's like that's become just like such a massive global phenomenon in a way that I don't know. I can't think of any other fantasy show that's ever really done that or like even something like Rick and Morty, which isn't, you know, as huge as that, but still is like, I think among the most popular shows of its kind, at least, you know, within that, the space that it occupies, you know, it has a huge, huge viewership. Um, but yeah, no, I think they definitely are kind of having a moment. Yeah, no, I, so I I pulled a bunch of data, and by data I mean I googled like famous movies in two thousands and famous movies in twenty tens. Sure. <laughs> and basically, if you looked at like the biggest movies in the tw- in the two thousands, you have, you know, basically a series like it's Avatar, right? It's it's a right. series of kind of high budget action films. Of course, you've got your superhero crap in there, but right. You know, it, and of course, you have Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars. Yeah. Those are kind of down the pecking order more. Um, and your biggest TV shows, yes, you have Lost, but much bigger are The Wire, are Mad Men. No, no, for sure. Breaking I mean, and I think that it was also kind of indicative back then that, you know, like you obviously, obviously examples are, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, but you have these kind of handful, this like select few of really huge sci-fi and fantasy movies, but there wasn't much else, you know, breaking into the mainstream. I feel like not as much as there is, there is now at least. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, and then it kind of TV, especially point. it kind of flips at a certain point. You have game of Thrones in 2011, <laughs> walking dead in 2010, black mirror, 2011, the leftovers, 2013, stranger things, Westworld, 2013, Rick and Morty, right. 2015. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you even see this with the movies, right? Like, I pulled, like, biggest box office scores. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the three Star Wars movies again, but they're, like, one, four, and five this time. Like, I, like Star Wars 2 and 3 both made, like, 350-ish million. Yeah. Like, the, the kind of bounce-back Star Wars in 2015 made 930 million. So, like, right. that's just, like, kind of to give you an idea of how much bigger this stuff is. For sure. And then, you know, like all the other big movies, 
I mean, there's like a one-off here or there, but it's all like Jurassic World, Hunger Games, and right. superhero stuff. So all stuff For sure, yeah. Real. It's all kind of inherently sci-fi or yeah, fantasy, yeah. depending on how you look at it. But like, that's basically, you know, same it's general. It's like more era. basic. Right. No, for sure. Very. I mean, that's the most basic thing out there. Yeah, it's like more basic sci-fi. So I would definitely argue, like, I think you nailed it. It's not like the shit wasn't there, and it's not like there weren't rabid fans. Like, you have your Star Trek, you know, thing, which is like the most, you know, it, I think they're a great example because they're, you know, like this really out there, hugely passionate fan base. Right. Um. I mean, and you know, even something like the Twilight Zone, just like a, a friggin' black and white TV show, like that's a yeah. sci-fi sci-fi show. Yeah, um, for sure. But, but also, some sometimes that show is fantasy as well, though, depending on the episode. Yeah, it was both really. And you know, I just think now it, it's just it's become popular. You know what I mean? Like Game of Thrones yeah. is the biggest show on TV. Netflix wasn't doesn't really release their data, but you could argue Stranger Things is you know could be up there if we count just total views. Oh, definitely. It's, it's got to be in one of their most all-time popular shows. I have no doubt. So, yeah, I would argue it's just more established. I mean, sci-fi is kind of a young genre. Um, just to give some context, I know this is books, so whatever, but... Yeah, I know. Philip K. Dick, books. Of course. my favorite author. Your favorite, yeah. Is probably, like, one of the best, if not the best, or most acclaimed sci-fi writers ever. Mm-hmm. Um, had, you know, like, a prolific writing career, mostly because... He, he like he's pretty candid about this in interviews. He's like banging like amphetamines and booze and like yeah, writing three books a year, which yeah, that's insane. Torrid, like that you don't want to be doing that. So no, that's an upsetting lifestyle for sure. Yeah, and it's not like he was writing all that to sell out. He was writing all that to pay for his like one bedroom apartment in yeah. California. You know what I mean? So that's right. and that's the seventies, eighties. So it, you know, right. Obviously, he started making a bunch of money, and I'm sure the the legacy on his books is very strong. But you know, it, it's a young genre in many ways. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, also, I mean, just like inherently, you know, you there's like a cutoff point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people could like debate the exact date, but like, you know, scientific technology needed to be at a certain point for the sci-fi genre to exist, whereas fantasy, you know. That's that go, that goes back like forever because you know people have always been imagining like, dragons and you know all that stuff. That's like really old. That's very true. Yeah, I mean we don't even have. I mean Phil, the stuff Philip K. Dick is imagining. Yeah, wasn't even imaginable until the fifties. Yeah, so, like for sure, exactly. Like, you don't. need some kind of basis to steer it to steer the direction it's going in. Yeah, to give the people who don't read his shit some context, he he wrote um, Blade Runner. He wrote, um, what are some other ones? That were uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Right. Yeah, it became Blade Runner. Oh, that's the uh, that's the bay. Okay, yeah, right. That's There's the like three of theirs. So I'm just blowing. Yeah, no, that's, I feel like I'm just, I'm doing the same thing. I like I feel like I should totally know these, but <laughs> drawing a blank for sure. Ah, whatever. Um. But yeah, yeah, I think I think we are in, we're in agreement on that. Um, so now I'm going to ask, why do you think it's become more mainstream? That's a good question. I mean, I've heard certain people make the argument, and I'll explain my thoughts on it afterwards. But some people s- claim that like 
you know, I mean, it's statistically provable that people our age are getting married, you know, at a later age, staying at home for longer, all this stuff kind of delaying, you know, what is traditionally thought of as like, you know, kind of settling down uh, or becoming an adult, you know, people call it man-child syndrome. Uh, and I've heard the argument made that like, it's an infantilization of culture because that that's the people who they're appealing to, you know, it's kind of, uh, extended adolescence, which is one of those things that it's pop psychology for sure. But I almost sometimes think that like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit of a factor. I mean, I think there are a million other ones too, but that's a good question. I don't really, beyond that, I don't know. I think maybe the internet probably has something to do with it. That, that was probably such like a boon for these really rabid fandoms, which fantasy and sci-fi have always had to, kind of flourish and become bigger just like uh, act like contagion just keep like right. people into the cult. well i mean it's just like the the bigger move is that it's something that used to be niche not really a niche but just off of the real hardcore mainstream and now it is the you know the center of the mainstream it's yeah. made that move yeah and that's yeah and it's, I, and I, don't, I don't know if i know the cause of that do you have any uh, theories? Yeah, no, I have a bunch of theories. I, yeah. It's funny that you were talking about, like, infantilization. <laughs> yeah. Because my answer is basically, like, the super optimistic, not optimistic, but mine is, like, a way, like, euphemistic way of saying that. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I feel like... a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, so, I think it's definitely a sign of the times, and it's, like... It's not just having the internet, and it's not just, like, having cell phones. It's, mm-hmm. it's the smartphone in everyone's hand from day one. And For sure. I feel like we now live in such an age of information and communication where you're almost, like, never surprised or, like, have experiences where you, like, are experiencing, like, wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, like, you I don't know, I've heard, like... You down an internet rabbit hole. You can be like, oh, sure. I wonder where this is. But it's... Or just, like, people... It's so fleeting. Yeah, well, or also, like, there was, like, some comic ones that I saw do a bit, which was so true, where he's, like, it kind of, you know, you, and it wasn't even, like, that much of a joke, but just about how these days you can know anything instantly, and you never get the sensation of, like, oh, your mind can't quite get something, you kind of have to let it go, which is sort of, you know, something that should naturally be happening. But just in terms of, like, you know, I don't know if you hear a song and you can look up the lyrics and all that stuff. That's just this instant flow of information and knowledge. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the wonder in a weird way. Yeah. And I think that kind of in that environment and it's not just, you know, like I wonder where this thing is or am I going to be late for this? It's like social stuff. Like, you know, Oh, for sure. You're never like, oh, I wonder what this friend is up to. You just go on their Facebook page. No, yeah, it was definitely, I think, a socially (laughs) stunting element to it, for sure. And which is kind of the great irony of all all, all these social networks that, you know, something designed to bring people together is, at least in this respect, ultimately pushing them apart. Yeah, it's it's too much, but that's that's a whole nother conversation. But then there's a flip side of it because then it's like it also gives you access to people who you'd never be able to access to. So it's you know, yeah, it's something on like a scale when it comes to that. But I think there is something like yeah, the connectivity which does feel is definitely a double edged sword. But yeah, um, the point I was trying to make about sci fi stuff and fantasy stuff is that 
those are genres predicated on creating a sense of wonder, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the big draw of, you know, all the shows I was ripping off, like Westworld, Stranger Things, Lost, uh Game of Thrones to many extents, like you have actual feelings of like real surprise and like wonder and curiosity and you know, you, <laughs> calling it infantilized feels like really derogatory. I, I think it's no. I don't. Need. That's the thing is. No, I know. No, I know you're reporting on you know things. Well, also, no. I think that those are two totally different things. That I think that both of those groups of people can appreciate fantasy. I don't think they're mutually exclusive at all. Like I said, there are a bunch of other factors, and yeah, I can totally see the wonder thing being a part of it as well as. You know, there's. I feel like there is a tendency, sort of, in our genre towards like escapism. Yes. You know exactly, and that that's a part of it, and it's. You know, I think it definitely is kind of a negative side to some of it, and I'm I'm talking about mainly, I guess, the stuff that seems like where it's like it's not the quality stuff because I'm not gonna, you know, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Those are like great movies and all that, but I don't know. Then you get some like some like the like the lower level like. Marvel fantasy ones, or I even put like the Force Awakens in this category, but just kind of like you get so much kind of what I think of as pretty mediocre stuff with these giant, giant, you know, fan bases. Yeah, I mean, you but know, not... no one's going to sit here and argue the Star Wars, Star Wars reboot is revolutionary or interesting, or you know, well, I mean, I mean like, yeah, that's a it's, it's interesting, it's really just not kind revolutionary. Of not, my standards aren't that high, <laughs> but yeah, but. But yeah, I think that's it's such like a like almost the self perpetuating wheel. I think at this point, like that, the fandom for those things has become so gigantic that they're just kind of stuck in our culture. You know that it's this, this cycle of like, of course, whatever makes the most money is going to get it remade and done over the most, and people are still going to see it, which is kind of crazy to me at this point. Yeah, because I mean, that includes me, by the way. So I'm not like I'm not speaking from a cloud of judgment. I'm still going to see that shit too. So. I feel like you go almost as an anthropologist, though. Like you wouldn't. If yeah, was no, going to three like, movies a year. You would tell them not to go to that. No, that is really realistic. Because I like I just love going to see movies and going to you know seeing as many in theaters as I can. So unless something looks like really really bad, I will go see it. Especially if like like you said, just in the interest of being like culturally informed because if something you know i can't like in good faith go to something that everyone i know people who don't even like movies are going to see and then like now nah, i'm gonna skip that one i still haven't seen avatar it's my quiet resistance <laughs> that's awesome dude that's, <laughs> i'm never gonna watch it <laughs> i mean one of these days i think like when you turn like 30 or something you should watch it but for your 20s definitely hang on to the the hipster cred that it affords someone, you someone will insist that i have to see it and i'll be like i will doing it but wait if you do it i want to be there we'll do, I'll, be, I'll be the ultimate episode of my my show it was just yeah right maybe we should do but that the thing is that episode. like it is it would be very interesting to see how you react just because that was such a theatrical movie as in like, like also just cameron one of those ones yeah that you're one of those ones that's meant to be seen in a theater ideally like a big theater you know it's just that's that's just the best way to watch it, like a Dunkirk or so, you know, anything like that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what your reaction would be. Only getting to see it on a, a t- you know, a TV. Although TVs are pretty, you know, solid right now. 
they're getting there. Yeah. It, just the so, size that they can't replicate, though. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, so what, like, I, I think we're kind of in some agreement that, like, basically sci-fi and fantasy always have the capacity to hook people. There are some real-life factors that are, like, driving that yeah. now and making it more tenable. I think, you know, movie executives or businessmen, at, you know, yeah. inside and out, like, they don't even really front about it. They'll just fart out another Avengers movie. So, like, they, right. they're <laughs> so down to capitalize on this trend. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things that, you, I, it's it's hard for me to blame them sometimes. It's like I get it, you know. I I can appreciate being a good businessman. So in a way, I almost blame the people collectively, including myself, for going to yeah, see no, them. It's, 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 it's our fault, you know. This is our, this is our choice. This is all that. this is my crusade. Boat your dollars. It's not my crusade. Yeah, but it's something I will say whenever people complain about institutions. Me. What's tough? Yeah, I mean, what's tough for me is that in an ideal world, I like to do that, but like. So every once in a while, I do feel like really, you know, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but kind of obligated to go see a movie, just like I, you know, like before, because it's having like this kind of cultural moment. And just that I like to talk about movies with people. So I obviously will jump at any opportunity to have like, you know, my friends who don't actually go see a lot of stuff getting to discuss something with them. Yeah, I guess. But still, I mean, yeah, for you, like, you're you're you know in the one percent of biggest consumers of movies yeah. so like i'd you know i'd kind of expect you to go it's more like i will vote my dollar if i think a movie's gonna be like really really bad and not in the fun way you know those are if it falls into that category like yeah i don't know snatched i think was the movie that always comes to mind these days when whenever i think of that do you see the the trailer for that way back when no can I, can I take you on a completely random non sequitur for five minutes? Yeah, go for it. Have you seen a Phantom Thread? Yes, I have actually. <laughs> it's like a two hour and twenty minute movie. I was thinking about you because it's an hour too long. It's a two hour you, and twenty minute movie. You saw it? I did see it. About okay, yeah. basically Daniel Day Lewis being a deranged dressmaker. Right. <laughs> you know the the best dressmaker ever, but super like emotionally stunted and just you know really abusive all that i just think they got him in method acting zone and then they just shot like four hours and edited yeah it two and a half yeah and so you're, you're you're saying you think it's an hour too long I, I like in an ideal world he's a character i see on screen for 20 minutes as a part of a different movie but really I also care about dressmaking i mean i i agree and disagree Not i totally agree does. i don't know i mean I actually thought that was some of the be- the the best things about that movie were like the visuals because I thought like I'm with you it was definitely way too long and the script was just like I felt like especially in the second half it was just like the same scenes kind of repeating over and over again but just some time had passed you know it just kind of like this holding pattern yeah all right I don't want to spend too much time on it but yeah what's your yeah I did on it? no I but at the same time I do think. It was an awesome role for Daniel Day-Lewis, and I would have liked him still have been the lead of that movie, but I'd like to have been way shorter and way more of, like, have a little bit more discipline narratively because it just felt like, you know, everything about that movie was, like, super well-crafted except the screenplay, which was honestly, you know, the writing was fine, but, like, 
structure you know had very little sense of like structure yeah. I mean, pacing it never really got going it got going and i was into it for like 25 30 minutes right and then she like i'm gonna spoil it so whatever it, go for it spoiler I think, alert i don't think anyone who listens to my podcast cares yeah i love it I feel, yeah <laughs> Attention. Then she just starts fucking poisoning him with mushrooms, and it's like a good thing for their relationship. And right, and he's just like on his deathbed, and then he marries her, and then they're clearly a fucked up couple. And then every time their relationship's in dire straits, she just poisons him. And then I guess the reveal at the end is that he was aware he was being poisoned, and that's just their dosy dough. But it's just yeah, what a deranged movie. I kind of liked that part because it was like finally something happening in the plot. But it was I agree. <laughs> It was completely out of left field, though. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't build to it, I think, at all. It just sort of happened. <laughs> that movie did need just something to happen. All right. Did you – Did wait, one last thing. What? Last last thing. Uh, last final thought. I was going to ask, did you see any of that guy's – the director's other movies? Like, did you see The Master? Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, yeah. No. I think I've seen okay, one well, of his movies, at least. I was going to say that, like, I've seen his other recent movies, and the thing is, they're definitely, like, kind of slow. No. That's Refn. Okay. But anyway, his movies are, like, slow and deliberately paced, but they still have, like, a story, you know, like, The Master's a good example of that. Like, it's a little bit loose, but there's a really kind of good story at the center of it. And Phantom Thread, just to me, kind of felt like almost like a sketch of an idea. Like, oh, we have this really good character, and we'll just, like, you know, Let's like figure it out as we go along, and the story will like come out of that. But I agree, it was definitely not, you know, definitely overstuffed, and that's why it didn't make it into my uh, my top ten. Yeah. So, all right, I'm gonna shoot us right back to fantasy sci-fi. Let's do it. Because I don't think Phantom Thread could be any farther from our conversation. Tangents <laughs> <laughs> um, are what it's all about, man. Oh, actually, I wanna I wanna state my pitch for lumping space movies in there. So something like. I mean, Interstellar is perhaps a bad example because that's also sci-fi-ish and kind of yeah. world-ish, but take, I don't know, The Martian or Gravity or, you know, name mm-hmm. a space movie. Because that's yeah. one of Space Odyssey is also more sci-fi, but um, I would also just throw space movies in there. Um, a, because so little is wait, about wait, them. Wait, really quickly. Throw them in where? Throw in them our in our discussion. In basically, the fan- I feel like we've been lumping sci-fi and fantasy together as kind of genres that have come on recently and have created, you know, yeah. kind of captured more of the zeitgeist than right we had previously. for sure. And I want to throw, uh, I want to throw space movies in there because I feel like, yeah, of course. So I mean, in a in a more realistic setting, perhaps, although not necessarily, it's it's another way of escapism, like you were saying. Yeah, no, I think there is something, like, I know what you're talking about, but a lot of those are straight-up sci-fi, but then you're right, you do have ones that are more, like, you know, realistic, quote-unquote, uh, like, like Gravity. Yeah, I mean, so... But to me, all that stuff definitely is, all I always think of that stuff, even if it isn't, like, literal science fiction, I still tend to think of that as, like... Like space to me always is sort of sci-fi. It's just like such a the setting is inherently there almost. That's you know, true. like even if you don't make a sci-fi movie, you have to have sci-fi shit going on. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so, what about those films, space fantasy sci-fi? Why do those films inspire such rabid fan bases? Like, 
you look at like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Lost, Harry Potter. Um, I mean, you could meet maybe lob in Hunger Games too if you're, you know. Well, then yeah, the whole those, but those are like I feel like their own category. The whole like young adult. You know, Hunger Games, Maze Runner, That's Detergent. <laughs> Harry Potter definitely gets to be no, in the conversation. Right. No, yeah, that's a different one. That one I wouldn't put in that category. Like, how, like, why are fantasy sci-fi move, like movies, shows, whatever, Stranger Things throw in there, why are those the ones that are hooking people so well? Yeah. Game of Thrones, you know. Or, like all these CW, like, Marvel knockoffs, you know, like, Arrow, or, you know, like, the Netflix, like, Daredevil, all that stuff, I feel like, is in definitely in the, the group that we're talking about. Those all get pretty high viewerships. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on why those, like, like, why, like, that? Like, uh, here's a good comparison. Yeah. I loved Breaking Bad. It's an incredible show. Yeah, Classic. I've never felt a need to rewatch it. I'll, I mean, I'll talk about its brilliance. I'll talk about its excellence, but I don't mm-hmm. feel a need to opine on it. I could yeah. do. I didn't even really like Lost that much. I could do two podcasts on Lost. Sure. No. I mean, I Lost is. I, said, I know what you mean. That is such a classic example of like, you know. I mean, I'm of the opinion that it kind of went to shit after season two, but even then, I kept watching season three a little bit. Even when it wasn't good, there was just like the the amount of like theories and just you know in universe thinking that it prompted you to do was so like it had that such that unique thing that you know I remember it definitely dominated the internet when it was on TV. You know that you'd have mess you know this huge online community of just like theories of what was going on in any given uh, moment. All that. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. I think it's kind of like a a thing where, I mean, I don't want to keep saying wonder, so I'm going to say, I think they create an environment that's different than our own. Like, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Wire, like, very specifically succeed because they exist in our element, or in Mad Men's case, like, in our past. But they're real, and they have real environments that we already know and have a frame of reference for, and we're learning about in that story. For sure. Whereas Lost, like... At a certain point in any good fantasy, sci-fi, whatever, you realize that the rules you have in your brain for how the world is governed don't necessarily apply. And once sure. you get to that standing, then it, anything can happen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Game of Thrones, that happens because – and like Lord of the Rings to some extent. happens because we're in some like environment so futile that like basic human law that we believe in doesn't matter, right? Like right, you can just cut some dude's head off and throw it on a spike and be like, "Fuck you," and that's right. just gonna play, like it's mm-hmm. you know, this made up year in the past. Right, like I feel like with any of these movies, shows, whatever stories, you hit that point where you're just like anything is possible, and once you hit that point and you've existed in that world for me at least, it gets to a point of like insatiability. Like I'm. I just need to like explore this new world. I need to figure out sure. what these rules are. I need to develop my schema for this environment. Right way, it kind of becomes like we're talking like the moment it kind of becomes real to you, you know, in the figurative sense, obviously. But I feel like there's a certain time point if you're getting really into a sci-fi or fantasy, you know, whatever movie show. There, I feel like there's always kind of a moment where you start to, you know, 
lose yourself in it and you know start to you know really get a feel for the the world yeah. this is like this almost real entity because um, that's obviously a credit to whoever is making it because world building is so important in all of these genres you know it's one of the key things yeah i mean to use to use the wire as an example i could never watch more than an episode of the, in a row of the wire yeah Oh, Altered, super Altered Carbon, a, a show I recommended to you. We can talk about it later if you enjoy it. I watched Straight. It's on Netflix. Uh, it came out like a month ago. I watched like 10 episodes straight. Part of that was I was sick, but... Right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue that Altered Carbon is even a better show than The Wire. I, I mean, I think I just enjoyed it more, and I, yeah. I just was well, hooked. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is that I think shows are in light and movies is that you can have good stuff on both ends of a scale and that I think you can appreciate the stuff that's just super entertaining, you know, and just hooks you from episode one, keeps you watching, which is its own kind of like good writing and good filmmaking. But you can also have the stuff that because it's so dense and kind of rich, um, written relatively deep, isn't quite as easy to watch and, you know, requires, a little, you know, a lot more patience on your part. And I think they're both, you know, you need both of them for sure. But I definitely think you should, you know, there's nothing wrong with appreciating something that's really fast paced. Cause that's its own kind of uh, good writing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also think like, and this might just go back to our point with the masses, you know, I think if you're, if you're, you know, uh, I can't remember the word, uh, videophile i don't even know what the fuck the word is cinephile is that a word mm -hmm. yes like like i know my little brother's in that zone now he is so down to just watch like and obviously you are he's so down to just watch like an hour and 50 minute french film where nothing happens yeah no danny's honestly i feel like he's like more like that than and i am like like me personally i don't identify as that right like i'm i'm definitely like look like i get that the shot is cool and you know yeah whatever. But that's just not. I don't care about intellectually, and yeah, I, as an entertainment piece for me, it's just it's lacking. You know what I mean? I'm not. No, I know what you mean. A I mean, movie about a cafe. No, I've always had some a little bit of that with movies, especially because I feel like, you know, I've always really liked reading uh, books and literature, also, and I always have felt that like, if I go with like the what I think are like the deepest, most intellectually satisfying books I've ever read, the kind of highest literature and put those up against what I would call like the most super artistic movies I've ever seen. I tend to lean towards the books, you know, and yeah. not to say that I don't think there are movies that are like super high art, but the ones that I respond to most will still have some kind of a narrative, you know, like, you know, classic example you brought up earlier, like something like 2001 or, you know, really Kubrick's pretty much all of his stuff okay. where it is. Yeah. Like, if I went through my favorite movies... Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pick... I'm going to end up picking, like, Inception and Interstellar in, like, the top five. Really? Movies. No, yeah. come on. So, Are you serious? So exactly. This is the exact <laughs> response. I appreciate the fact that there are things in those movies that make no sense. I appreciate the fact that Interstellar is two hours and 45 minutes, and if you were trying to make it well-edited, it probably wouldn't be. Like, Dude. I, I appreciate all those things in the sense that if you said them, I wouldn't disagree with them. And if you felt that way about them, I would say that's fine. I'm just going off of my viewing experience, 
what movie did I most need to keep watching? What movie caught sure. me the most and I cared the most about its resolution? What movie no. was I the most engaged by? And it's yeah. those. No, well, that's the thing is that there's always a difference. And it's one of those kind of tricky intellectual areas. But I will freely admit to having, I think we all have this, is that I have, like, my favorite movies. And then I have, like, oh, well... What would I what would I be doing if I was trying to grade them on objective quality? And most of those, I think, end up overlapping. But I think everyone has things that are like, you know, they just personally love so much. Well, like, I kind of have that with Shawshank, you know, and I know that that's like loved, loved, loved by like, a ton of people. But. But yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, totally out of brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> You were saying that Shawshank is a uh, is like you you love it, but and you were saying like I know people hold okay. critical claim, but I don't know. If but yeah, well, I guess I'm just like, to not holding critical. No, claim. I'm I'm no, I just would say that like you know on a kind of raw film level, that's not as good as like you know a Kubrick or a Hitchcock, you know, or just like the all time greats, which doesn't doesn't mean it's still not a really great movie because I think it totally is, but it's one that I love personally so much that it's in, it's up there that I don't really necessarily think of it as actually, you know, the X greatest film of all time. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I guess movies, I mean, this might actually segue nicely to my other point. Yeah. Movies and TV shows are much more like entertainment pieces um and they're they're much more readily digestible right like you can yes. hang out an episode of a tv show in 45 minutes a movie exactly well hours. yeah it's a, just a book set time period a ton of books suck for the first 20 hours you read them yeah <laughs> so you know, no like, and that's a lot of times it's the good ones too that's the yeah. worst part so um you know you have to wonder if i guess this isn't really gonna segue well Part of the reason I think sci-fi and and fantasy are having kind of this boon is, and I've seen tweets to this effect, and I'm going to just kind of loosely paraphrase all of them. Mm -hmm. The nerds, in many senses, won a culture war. Oh, I completely agree. Glasses are cool now. Like, (laughs) like computers used to be this kind of geeky concept, and I'm gonna—I already sound dated, but whatever. I sound dated to people my age. Whatever. Computers used to be geeky. Now everyone has a computer in their pocket. You know what I mean? For sure. And you, if you told me that you didn't use a smartphone and it wasn't for a reason like I would love one, I can't afford it or whatever, I would be like – I mean I'd have some respect for you obviously because that's a baller move. But I'd for sure. would definitely like ostracize you from a ton of social things. 100%. And that's definitely the be considered outcast in our society. I don't know if I go that far, but I totally agree that it would really. Well, think about it this way: I tell people all the time to Uber places. I'm like, just Google Map it, Venmo me this. Right. That all you can't do that on a smartphone. Well, it kind of depends on what you define smartphone as, because I feel like these days things with apps and internet. Right. I mean, like a but, flip phone, like you can't flip- Google Map on a flip phone. Can't you, though? I feel like once these days, you probably could. Well, if it's a flipping smartphone. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 
Okay. But yeah, I guess that thing is, I feel like all oh, those are almost being like phased out, you know? I mean, maybe there'll be a few, there'll be a few people who stick around with them, but just the, the, the cheaper and easier to make that smartphones become, you know, then less use people are going to have for the old ones. Yeah. Although I guess financially, there'll always be a market of people who just don't want to spend the money. But even like pop culture, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you see like athletes coming out of games and they're wearing glasses and dressing. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, the whole which is the just whole hipster thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole hipster yeah. thing. I mean, I love which is like its own own thing, but there's definitely kind of a nerd like fashion, you know, element to it, and that's like what's cons- you know. Yeah, I mean, you look at like even like commercial models. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a huge so thing. So many people in commercials are like kind of weird looking and are wearing like kind of out there garb. You know what I mean? Does anything come to mind? Uh, uh, hmm. So, like, for example, nah, it's not good. I just mean, well, like, I mean, you'll you'll know. Oh, all right, I got an example. Take okay. the uh, take the new, like all the iPhone commercials, right? So yeah. the one where like it's it's the guy and he's got an iPhone and his girlfriend has a droid, and like yeah. he like at one point picks up the dongle and like frowns at it, and he finally gets the the droid that's waterproof. Remember he? Oh nice. yeah. Like I that dude that. is dressed. I mean, he's obviously a, a model, but he's dressed like kind of hip. Like they're yeah, very much right. like trying to portray him as a hipster. Right, um, for sure. You know, I just feel like the kind of not that I yearn for old model culture. I just think it's interesting and funny that it's definitely a thing that we're like trying to make people look a little weird in commercials. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think it's commentary on the fact that we're kind of cool. Like the idea that someone's kind of like geeky and out there, like you know, it's much cooler than it was today. Like. You know, Elon Musk and and Bill Gates probably have a ton in common, but Elon Musk has like all this like internet cred. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. No, I, I know what you mean. Um, no, I totally know what you mean because he's considered a way cooler guy, but also yeah. is you know on a, a very because Bill Gates is such like a prototypical nerd. You know, yeah, Elon Musk really scares me. Really, <laughs> dude. He had some comment. It was like. Humans, and this is like 100% serious, because I know he like dicks around sometimes. Yeah. Humans will need to learn to meld with artificial intelligence in order to remain useful in the future. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's like I what does that mean? I need to get a brain implant of like a fucking computer? Yeah. I think Who that's knows? what it means. I mean, that's, you could argue a smartphone is as close as, you know, it's a cousin to a brain implant with the computer. Right. Jesus. It's still, like, I'm already not okay with well, that level of technology. But melding, I don't know. I feel like that's a good question. I guess it would be something like a brain implant, but I'm wondering, like, that's something that we can't even begin to imagine, so there could be something somehow to do it without the use of a, a brain implant. And this plays, like, into the whole technology thing. Like, I mean, we're going to get to a point where we can make stuff that people aren't comfortable with existing. Um, sure. Like cloning, oh, definitely. Cloning was one of the first frontiers of that right, like stem cells. Like we, we yeah. had, we were like close. We're like knocking on the door of like, hey, we might be able to clone someone, and it was just like shut down. We're like, this freaks us out. 
Mm-hmm. Like society like drew a line there. And right. you know, at a certain point they're going to figure out a way to what Elon said or at least he thinks they will, you know, put a computer in your brain that gives you more processing power, say. Right. Are we okay with that? Like I'm not. <laughs> That's fucking creepy. I mean, a robot in my head. Oh no, I'd never do it. No fucking way. What happens if you get a bug, you know? <laughs> what if there's a virus? <laughs> I don't know. That's no, that's no my fucking way. corner, but I mean no, that's... I don't even know. I mean it's one of those things that like you know, maybe one day it will just become normal and you know, people will do it. But I think that even if it did even if doing that did become at least relatively common, you'd always have a faction of people who just would refuse to do it, you know. That's true, but what if, like, what if you're so much less useful in society? You know what I mean? Like, what if? Oh yeah, no, that's a crazy what thing if, like, for sure. All the good jobs go to people who are willing to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, why? Is... And someone's like, why would I hire a person for the same amount of money who can't do right. thirty things well, with their brain? Actually, I've heard the theory. Like, someone, I, when some uh, columnist I read sometimes, he said that his idea was like that we are moving towards self, you know, having a pretty automated life, you know, self-driving cars are going to happen. You know, technology is almost there, you know, that's going to happen. And energy is going to become more and more self-running, all this stuff. And he theorized that, like, if that becomes cheap enough and easy enough to do, then we're going to have to, like, rethink our whole economy because that could be get to the point where, you know, they're naturally sprung up a kind of like communism just because you would have all this wealth and, you know, yeah, these way and no more jobs, you know, the jobs like shrinking. Dude, so this is the point I pitched on uh, Brandon, probably with Brandon and Sean, like I was like, we're going to get to a point. They think 90% of jobs in theory could be automated. We're going to get to right. a point where like people and we were talking about it in the context of callings, right? I was like, so many people wake up every day and like, you know, whether they're stoked about it or not, like their, their like thing they do that day or whatever the word Billy mentioned, they're like, their thing for the day, like what they are doing that day, their purpose of the day is their job. And what happens if there are no jobs or are, you know, 50% of the country is unemployed, something like that. Mm-hmm. There's like this absence of purpose almost. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's let's bring this uh, let's bring this baby home. Uh, Do it. What is your favorite sci-fi fantasy story? Let's talk about story it. or so. I, I just mean story generally. So you can pick movie, TV show. You can pick anything. Mm, that's a, a good. That's a. Let me think for a second. I'll do mine, and you can yeah. uh, you can nod along while you think of yours. I I'm gonna pick four because I suck. <laughs> I'm picking and I will rank them. I'll put Westworld 4th. Mhm. Interstellar 3rd. Rick and Morty 2nd and The Matrix 1st. Okay, I got 3 for you. Uh Totally agree with you on the first Matrix, hundred percent. One of my that's one in of there, the, right? 
I love oh, that movie. It's up near the top. You know, is that that one's like in probably in my top ten or twenty of just and all time. You know, that's two thousand and one. But at the same time, I feel like if that came out today, that would have been the movie. Whereas it was, it was not no. in the top fifty box office from what I saw in the two thousand. No way, that's not true, is it? I thought it was a big hit. Maybe I maybe I blew it. I, I saw no. Reloaded at thirty eighth. So. Okay, that's that's plausible, but I'm just like to get two sequels, it would have had you know, it definitely had to do well. Oh, I'm sure it did well. I just mean like yeah. it wasn't a big hit in the sense of like. Oh, it you mean top, top ten? Okay, that's still pretty hard to believe. Like, oh, I think you know, of the year. Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant like when it came out, like its box office initially. That's what no, I did. Mean. Never mind. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna Google its box office while you tell me your other ones. Uh, yeah, and then, um, if I'm being honest, uh, Futurama is definitely on there. Uh, nice. And then, uh, Alien, the first one, is also a personal favorite. I think that's a... You put an alien in there. I've never seen that. The, the OG, the OG. I mean, it's one... You've never seen those movies, you actually... I'll show you them sometime, but one is, like, this just really, uh, you know, great space horror movie and it's not even that it's like super the scariest movie but it's just so well made and like starts out very slow but builds really perfectly to the uh to the ending whereas aliens is uh james cameron and it's way more like you know a little bit more conventional a lot more actiony but still really really good you know and always tends to be mentioned among you know in most, like, when people bring out, like, the best sequels, it's always one of the go-tos. Right. But, yeah, I love that movie, too. But the first one, I think, is just a better movie. Nice. I looked up, um, so the reason why I didn't have The Matrix in my count was they were in 19, it came out in 1999, actually. Yeah. So it fed into, like, that Y2K paranoia. Oh, yeah. Um, and it did, you know, it did $460 million, so it did... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they they made their money back. Yeah. <laughs> um and I think one of the points I want to just flush out quickly, I don't know if we said it or just implied it, but I think like it's like you were saying where technology had to kick up a certain amount for this stuff to work. Mm-hmm. What I don't think we talked about enough was the fact that technology is accelerating, right? It's not just right. that we've had these breakthroughs luckily and like We've been thrust yeah. into a new world. It's that it like every fucking three years or something that's on the horizon that's frightening or insane or awesome or whatever. That's yeah, open the think door that that's, so much, right? Like that's, sci-fi I mean, that's what, situations are almost more realistic now. No, I know what you mean, but I think it's always been like that to some extent. That just technology from the way back beginning of time, I think inherently is something that develops exponentially. You know that at the more time that passes, the faster, you know, bridging the gaps becomes and moving forwards because it's just, you know, makes perfect sense that you have all each generation has, you know, a greater basis to stand on, to push them up. So they have, you know, they can take it that much further and then that much further. That's almost this like self-perpetuating organism or something. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you excited for Westworld season two? I still have not seen season one. What? I started, <laughs> yeah, I started it, and you're going to hate me for saying this, but 
I didn't really get into it. But oh. to its to its credit, to its credit, I didn't. I only saw you a couple of episodes, and I just remember that there was something going on at the time that I just didn't have the time to do it. Um, no, it was that. Never mind. I started it with Sean, and then he left back for California. We wanted to watch it together, but and you waited at the Bayside window for him. No, I think it was just like I waited. We I waited for a little bit. And I realized that wasn't going to happen, but by that time I had kind of moved on and it had been too much time since I'd seen episode two. You know what I mean? Just the window was too wide. I just, I loved it so much. I'll get back to it. I'll, I'll watch it. For Hop, I mean, if nothing else, it's, it's great. Hopkins. Uh, yeah. No, I, I do remember him being really good. I mean, the truth is that I'm willing to bet you probably watch a lot more streaming TV than I do in the way that I know that I like, watch more movies than you do yeah like i also don't spend that much time watching those i mean right now the one thing i'm watching is uh doing a rewatch of true detective season one oh, yeah which excellent. we should at some point you we should do a podcast about for sure about ben and brand are huge fans i know danny and nick are huge fans maybe i'll just get like the six i mean sean's probably a fan too Thank yeah. You, yes. I'm gonna get like the seven of us. We'll do like a incoherent podcast. A round table. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will say like four things. <laughs> It'll go like an hour. Yeah. No, that would be awesome. Just be a lot of banter. Um. Yeah. That that's just that. Which actually that that is in my top like five TV shows of all time easily. The first oh season. God. I can't recommend it highly enough. People who haven't yeah. seen it. I mean, assuming you're cool with the violence. Yeah, I mean, what what I love about that and shows like it is that there's such like a purity to it when it's only eight episodes long. Like it never has the chance to get past its prime, you know, and start into it's like oh, we're kind of running out of ideas. Years, yeah. Which I honestly felt a little bit with with Stranger Things season two. I mean, not a lot of it, but like the first one was felt so self-contained that I felt like the second one couldn't help but feel tacked on a little bit oh i i mean i love season two also i i I thought season two was really good except for that chicago episode which is the worst thing i've ever seen really you didn't like that (laughs) oh oh, no i'm not i'm a a hater on that one i mean people everyone's very divided on that but it has a huge faction it's like 50 50 and i'm definitely in the 50 who thinks that it's the worst episode of stranger things that's ever been made it's not even close i i don't yeah, I don't agree at all. It's just such a tan- so. It's like I, my problem with it is that I feel like you could basically cut it and lose nothing. That you it would really cut adds the whole sister element. Yeah, I well, no, not even cut the whole sister element, but wait, I yeah, I guess, I guess I would. I guess right. like sisters in arms, like the whole like yeah. other ESP person thing. I just didn't think it added that much because it really it didn't. It's like oh. The one thing that made a difference, spoiler alert, is that uh, she taught Eleven how to use her powers at the end. But I don't know. It seemed like that was the whole point of the episode and not worth 65 minutes for a one-second flashback in the finale. So I enjoyed that episode. So, like, I don't yeah. even, like, like, I wouldn't say it's not worth it. I'm just happy there was that content out there. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to play into anything else. But... Even so, I you know I think it'd be crazy if that character isn't a real character in season three. 
I guess you're right. Maybe they're they're doing a big picture. But um, I mean, I guess my, you know, I'll we'll move on. But let's say that wouldn't be as drastic. I'd say you have to cut it. But in terms of like Stranger Things is a show that I love because it does have that like binge pacing and it does have such a great flow to it. Um, once you get into each season and to me that completely killed, you know, it was just like screeched to a halt for that episode. And then, I mean, were you, you just know, upset about the, the change in environment? Cause that town is such a character in the story. You know what I mean? That's no, that's probably part of it to some extent, but it's really just more that, I don't know. It seemed like so separate from what the greater story the season was trying to tell. It just was. I think a part of it might have been like if they had built it. The problem is that one episode was the wrong length. You know that if they wanted to build it up a little bit earlier and flash kind of back and forth to eleven, then maybe they could have pulled it off. They spent a little bit more time laying a foundation, but it just felt so. I don't know. Sudden within the flow of the show, but that's just my opinion. True. All right, man. I feel like we should wrap unless you have other stuff you want to say. Um, nope. I think that basically we're good. Basically covered it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this to you again, even though I've already pitched it to you. But I'm yeah. gonna pitch it to the listeners also. I watched all ten episodes of Altered Carbon in a row. Yeah, it's a great show. It's it's got this awesome thing going where it's like. 300 years in the future but like i think the problems they have it's not hard to relate back to the problems we have as a society and it's almost like they're more amplified because um because of the technology and the technology is that you can kind of download your consciousness onto a disc and like pop it into different bodies so people with the money to do that as many times as they want and it's prohibitively expensive um they're like immortal gods right and then the people the masses who don't have that money are you know surface dwellers basically um so really cool movie really good action Uh, the lead character who's portrayed by different actors at different times because it's you know it's a consciousness not a body um is just an awesome character uh the the female lead she's a little cookie cutter but she's still a great character um and then the the kind of female leader of the envoys who you learn about in the movie in the show is like it's just amazing um even though she's only on screen for like a couple episodes uh anyway i love it i highly recommend it it's gory and violent and insane and whatever, but watch it. Well, definitely. I will have to check that out. It's on my list. Um, all right. I'm going right. to wrap then. Kev, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, always. All right, Anytime. man. Excited to see you. When are you coming up again? I'm coming up end of this month. End of this month. End of February? Yep. Excellent. All right, man. Take care. See you. That does it for my conversation with Kevin Fentress on, like, sci-fi fantasy uh, uh, rise, I guess we'll call it. Um, Thank you for listening. As always, check it out. Uh, I put out a trade deadline response podcast with Nick. Um, I liked what we said, and his voice quality is man, because I, like, basically set it up all at once because the trades were so awesome and I was out of town. 
Um, but check that out. I also wrote an article uh, about Steph Curry and LeBron James as kind of the rotating Davids and Goliaths, which I think uh, I'm kind of proud of that piece. I think it's a good piece. Um, so check that out, too. Um, Nick and I are going to be traveling for about 10 days, so I'll, I'll finally have him in the same room as me for extended periods of time, and I'll make him uh, do some podcasts for y'all in the NBA. I think we'll try and do a recap of our preseason bets, um, maybe talk to NBA. Um, but thanks for listening. Take care. And, uh, yeah, keep your eyes up for more stuff from me.